is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Joining us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, about an hour from right now, uh, state epidemiologist uh, uh, Angela Dunn, Dr. Angela Dunn of the Utah Department of Health, is going to join us. Gordon, very much looking forward to that conversation. And, of course, uh, you had a takeout feature thing in the newspaper about her over the weekend, which I thought was good. So it'll be fun to have her join the show. Yeah, so we'll hopefully ask the right questions that our listeners are most interested in uh, regarding that. And then Bowler's going to jump on board uh, for the entire 5 o'clock hour. So excited to talk to Craig Bowler, Jack. I feel like we've got a number of things to run by him. But right now it's time for What's Going On. And we play the highlights, the big news of the day across the Zone Sports Network. And today it's going to have a very Kyle Whittingham feel, uh, Gordon, as he had a video presser. Is that the official title? Is that what we're calling a video sure. presser? Okay. Did answer questions, and we've uh, we've seen uh, a bunch of these. But uh, let's let's uh, get Witt's thoughts on basically what's going on with college football, Gordon. And I'm curious to uh, to hear your reaction nope. as well. But let's start uh, with Witt talking about best case scenario. Well, I think the best case scenario is just just what you said, getting it started on time, where everything goes off, you know, as scheduled, and and uh, we figure we need you know six, seven, or eight weeks of lead time uh, to get the players ready for that. Now, if somebody tells us we only got five, then we got to make do and and get them ready as quick as we can. Back back, uh, you know, when I played after spring ball. Uh, they just sent you on your way, and it was see you, see it two days, and so so it's not like it's uncharted territory, and it didn't happen for years and years where there was no summer programs or conditioning. So so I know it can be done because because I went through it personally, but uh, that would be best case scenario: start on time with the uh, you know with the uh, schedule and the, the dates of the games, have an eight week lead in. That would be perfect. Uh, worst case scenario is no season, obviously. And then there's a bunch of things in between, you know, October 1st start, November 1st. I've even heard of February 1st start, which I don't know how that would work out. But it'd be nice to get some of those warm weather teams up here in February and see how they react. But uh, it's, uh, you know, there, there's so many unanswered questions right now and so many unknowns uh, that you really – you know, you got to be prepared for anything, but we have built eight week, seven week, six week models uh, as far as preparation, how we'd handle it. And, uh, but, you know, it's, there's still, you know, a lot of uh, things that are got to transpire between now and, and when we get going to uh, figure it out exactly. You know, Sorry, Gordon, go ahead. You know, two things come to mind as I'm listening to Kyle address that particular issue. One is nobody knows what's going on. Uh, even those who are on the very inside of everything, they just don't know. And the other thing that strikes me is that whatever is decided upon, I think uh, Kyle Whittingham is a guy that you would like to have running the show because he's going to organize it as well uh, as it can be organized within whatever framework you're looking at. Well, and evidence to that opinion, Gordon, because I think you're right, is what really stood out to me about that bite, that, okay, ideally they're making six, anywhere in the range of six to eight weeks, but you heard him allude to his time in college mm-hmm. football and that they pulled it off in a shorter amount of time. He's he's making preparations. You you heard him even kind of single it out right there. You know, what happens if there's six? What happens if there's seven? What happens if they're eight? And I think that's what smart coaches should be doing right now is really preparing for all scenarios or as many as you possibly can and hope for the best 
and then apply whatever scenario plays itself out into the plan you've already made. So it yeah, sounds like they, that's what he's doing. Yeah, they have models, he said, laid out for whichever scenario actually comes about. Uh, but Kyle is such a master organizer, I could see him handling it uh, you know, relative to the teams that the Utes would be playing as well as anybody else. So that's... Uh, that's that'll we all just have to wait and see here's uh, coach Witt talking about winter or spring season is feasible but it would be uh more difficult on the back end i guess it's feasible now you're starting to impact the next season uh, you know spring ball and that type of thing so there's gonna have to be concessions made on the back end um which uh you know is doable but you know, we'll see. I think the the real important thing is that there is a football season. I think that's that's going to be critical to to uh, virtually every athletic department in the country. Uh, the NFL. I mean, that's and it's really a trickle down. I think if the NFL is not playing, I don't see any way we're playing. And if we're not, playing, I don't see any way high school's playing. And so it's really, you know, when the NFL, they're kind of the leaders in this thing. And, and uh, as soon as they get some sort of uh, hard and fast model, which they're not going to be able to do for, for several weeks either because of the circumstances, but it, it trickles down and, and we'll take a lot of the NFL uh, model and, and what they're doing and apply it to us. And I'm sure high school will do the same thing with, with what we're doing. And, and uh, that's just how I foresee it uh, shaking out. I had never heard it uh, connected that way, but it does make some sense. But there's also the other factor involved in the whole thing, and that is, what about the students? What about the regular students? Will they be on campus? Because I don't think they're going to be playing football if the students aren't uh, engaged in school. Right. Well, yeah, well, and the other issue they're go- going to come up against, and and I think what he's getting at is the NFL could provide a model with how the event could be pulled off. You know, like if the NFL pulls it off with fans in the stadium, well, then they provide a model to do so. If they're doing it without fans, you know, maybe they can use that as an example. But I think what complicates it further is exactly what you're pointing at, and that you know a lot of these universities they're state-run institutions, and so they're at the you know, they're at the mercy of what those states decide is best for their individual communities, which I actually happen to think is a very good thing. But the fact, uh, you know, if if we have to wait for an all clear across the board, which is likely what would have to happen. Right. I mean, I, that might take some time. That might take some time for all the states to be on the same page enough to give it a go ahead. I mean, yeah, I don't know yeah, if that, that's I don't know if that's really realistic. Where the NFL can, since they're a private entity, they can figure out creative ways around those sorts of things. The, the college football, I don't think, is going to be that flexible to do that. I don't know if you saw that poll that was out as far as sports people their their willingness to go. To a to a, a, a crowded venue to watch sports, I think seventy uh, percent of the people polled said they wouldn't go to a sporting event unless there was a vaccine, and that was including people who weren't sports fans. I think when they, if I read the report right, uh, when they interviewed just sports fans, I think it was sixty one percent or thereabouts who uh, said they they would not feel comfortable going to a sporting event unless there was a vaccine available. So, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Do you think fans are a lot more important in college football than in the NFL? 
Uh, I think fans are important across the board, and fans going. But I mean, attendance at the game. Uh, yeah, I think that affects more budgets. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely, um, I definitely do. Uh, it's, I the the fan poll thing. I I think that's going to change. Uh, the more information we get on this thing, and the more things change. I mean, the things change. How somebody feels about that right now? Is that how they're going to feel in August? I, I certainly can't guarantee that. I, I get where people are coming from, but I think this thing changes so rapidly. I guess that's why, I, to go back to our point on the first cut, I guess I, that's why I appreciate Kyle Whittingham's approach where he's like, all right, we'll lay out plans for everything that can possibly happen, and if we get the green light, sweet, and if we don't, we'll we'll adapt, right? Yeah, well, adapting to a canceled season, that'll be interesting. Yeah, you I know. think, see, I get the sense from him that he thinks that they're going to play it. They're going to figure out a way to do it, even if it has to be next year. And I think there's so much on the line that I, I tend to lean his way on that. When you say next year, you mean the season spilling over into, say, February? Or you mean next year, like 2021? Like he was just talking about a season being played in the winter and the spring. I mean, yeah. people are talking about that. And he's so, right. Uh, that would that would affect the next season. How do you <laughs> how do you handle that? And that's why that word you used is so important: adaptability. Yeah. I mean, well, we talked about it yesterday, where Craig Thompson said eighty five percent of these college athletic budgets are coming from the football season. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah. there's so much on the line that they've they've got to make plans for all this stuff because it's really important that they play it. If if of course at all possible, but I mean. There's a lot on the line. All right, let's let's move on to how do you coach uh, without having the players anywhere near you? Here you right, go. Big challenge, and we're doing the best we can right now with the NC2A. Whatever they're allowing us to do, we're maximizing that. Uh, prior to finals week, which just started uh, yesterday, we uh, were able to meet with them four hours a day and, and – and, or excuse me, four hours a week, and and we had position meetings, we had some team meetings mixed in there, and just really it's constant communication with them and, and checking in on, with them and making sure that things are okay. First of all, they're healthy, and second of all, that the academics are coming along, and we feel like we're having a, a really good semester academically, all things considered. And then finally, uh, you know, seeing you know making sure they got uh, the workouts and, and what they need there. And about I'm going to tell you, 40 percent of our guys don't have a gym to work out at. They're just doing push-ups and sit-ups and and that's not ideal, but but uh, we've sent them a couple workouts, one for the kids that do have a uh, access to a gym and one uh, for the guys that don't. So it's challenging. It's more like 120 guys. That's about what we deal yeah, with. Yeah. The roster. And then, then uh, the other side of that or the, or the other component is the coaches and the, and the meetings that we have. We have to do those all by Zoom and we have staff meetings each week and then the offense defense has their own unit meetings uh, you know, individually. And, and so I think we're maximizing – uh, what we can do, and I gotta believe, I'm gonna tell you right now, the teams that are handling this situation the best and that come out of this with uh, making the most progress are gonna have a huge advantage when the season does start. Because this, this, you know, this time right here, it's critical that you do everything you possibly can to continue to progress and uh, develop your players. And I'll tell you, when I hear Kyle Whittingham talk like that, if you're a parent out there. And your kid is trying to decide who they want to play for and what program they want to go to. And you hear Kyle Whittingham uh, find that tone that he's talking with there. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be tempted to have your want your kid to go play for that guy? 
It's it's good to hear him talk about academics and the no, I mean he's yeah he's got his perspective his, right. his uh, perspective is yeah. is yeah it's right right on the money and it's it's not like you never get a feeling from Kyle Whittingham that that he uh, is uh, some some pushover, but he's certainly nobody that you would want to to try and you know goof goof with a little bit i mean this guy he's about his business he knows what's most important he knows what needs to get done and he has it all in order and he's organized about it and i i think it's very impressive the way he hits that right tone you know, austin and i were were talking a little bit off the air as we were listening to that cut he said what 45 percent of his team does not have any access to exercise equipment right a gym yeah, yeah they're doing go you chicken fat go That's right. what they, i mean but, but what are the other 55 percent doing what access what gym access do they have aren't they all they, they, all, they all live with mike conley right apparently. is that what it is no <laughs> no maybe they have what i have at my house a freaking gym in the garage the, the solo flex right is no, that what we're talking gotta, about? And the, the no, ab roller and the, the shake weight? Oh, no, man. I don't know what And the medicine like, ball? I don't know. I, I mean, it's no, they got all kinds of stuff down there. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 looks pretty sophisticated to me. What was that pull up bar that was sold on late night television called? The, the power bar or whatever it was, where you could also turn it over and do your push ups on it. <laughs> wasn't that the. Oh, let's see here. Solo. Flex. What was the thing with the roller thing? The ab roller. With, with, the hand, with the hand. Is that what that was? The ab roller? What they need is a thigh master. That Suzanne Sunders <laughs> right? Summers didn't do that for nothing. <laughs> yeah, is that can, what can we're talking about? That? All this home home exercise equipment? Is that what we're An old Nordic about? track cross country run. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, my. <laughs> Well, I've got those. What were those shoes that that were supposed to make your calves strong? What were those things called? Do you remember what I'm the talking moon about? The shoes or whatever. The, yeah. the shoes that were like they they were like uh, they, they made, were up on platforms. Yeah, right? they made you stand mm-hmm. on your toes the whole time. What were those called? Torture. Hmm. High heels. They were supposed to give you extra lift on your vert. Never heard of such a thing. Gordon, did you have a pair? You you know what I'm no. talking about? I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. They looked. They they had this lower portion, and then an upper portion, and uh, yeah, I don't know how it worked, but I did see them on TV. The Sketcher Rockers? Is that what you're no, looking for? No, Jump Souls. <laughs> I believe that's what they were called. I'll take the Thigh Master, thanks. So if you don't if you, you don't have uh, equipment available to you, what I mean are calisthenics? Can you? <laughs> Could you maintain your your fitness by just you know being Jack Lane? Good heavens, jump soles cost one hundred and thirty dollars. That's not worth it. Uh, I don't know, Gordon. I I think that um, they're going to find that out. I would guess that Coach Witt during all these meetings, which not four hours a day, four hours a week, four hours a day would be a little excessive. I'm sure he's weighing. They're having them weigh in and that sort of thing. He's trying to monitor it as best he can. But uh, odds are, some guys are going to come back from this a little out of shape. I bet that is that way at all levels of sports. Yeah. Now, how is he keeping track of that? Or is he having them sort of? Do the uh, face uh, FaceTime and and show the scale they're standing on. And, I would uh, guess. I mean, what well, else are you going right, to do? Turn it around. What Let's else see. are you going to yeah. do? Let's yeah, have a, can, a pirouette rig, here. You can rig those things up, can't you? Just with a green screen. Wow, you've really jacked up in the last six <laughs> six weeks. Good grief, Solo Enos. Uh, just we saw him weigh in at two fifteen, but he's looking a portly three twenty. <laughs> 
what's uh, what's being honest here? By the way, I don't mean to pick on Solomon. Solomon is just the first name that came to my mind. <laughs> nice going. Britain Covey's looking like the rock all of a sudden. <laughs> got a Britain's got a little roly poly nature to him these days. <laughs> you know. No, I I I would guess that they're they're going to have issues. That's probably why Kyle Whittingham wants six to eight weeks because he knows there's going to be some guys that are going to come in, not inappropriate shape because they've been inside for two months uh, but how much does it how much does like a, a barbell cost how, you know how much can't guys have this in, in that go chop or, some wood in the north 40 huh <laughs> i mean a barbell I, you know some kind of uh, get yourself a bar get a couple of plates to put on that and, and go to town and keep yourself in college football shape <laughs> With a, I'm I'm picturing what are those aerobics exercise weights, and the little platforms. Well, Keep some guys in probably shape there. Some guys have to take the weight off. Some guys have to put it on. Remember what Tyler Huntley said about what he was doing to put weight on last year? He's like, what are you eating like five hundred thousand calories a day or something? What was what was the piece of equipment that it was just a bunch of springs and you just pulled it uh, oh, away part. from your chest a little bit? Uh, like you start in the middle and it just it was just a bunch of springs. What was that called? I don't know, but there was something similar to that that had these it had a resistance, but it had two like cables that came down each side of a bar and then you could pull it apart and build muscle and scrunch it together. <laughs> I, I, I think it I sounds think... like Dr. Good's uh, <laughs> <laughs> sales department here. I don't know. I think we need to get some sort of video out there with Gordon doing the thigh master and the shake weights <laughs> at, the yes. same, at the same time. Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not slowing down any of the athletes in my family. They're all working hard out there, uh, you know, trying to stay fit. And I, you know, they're not, it's not like they're playing for a scholarship. They're just staying in shape. So uh, it must be possible. I told you. That if you know those old hand weights that people used to <laughs> used to use, just pick up a couple of soups, cans of soup, and just run around with that. I don't know. You Throw on a Richard it. Simmons DVD. Huh? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if uh, sweating to the oldies came on DVD. That's true. VHS <laughs> that might be. A, might be a VHS or only Super Eight. So, so the question then becomes: What? How are the guys who have access to the stuff? How are they doing it? Why are they able to do it? And the other half can't do it thus you're back to the uh, original question that i yes that i proposed i mean do they do all these to, shake weight comments borrow, later we're back can, to square one can you borrow equipment can you uh you know these guys are athletes man they gotta they gotta work out they really you can't sit there and do 50 push-ups and uh, and 100 sit-ups and think that's going to replicate what you typically do and you gotta do more than that you got to go buy some equipment or, or borrow some. or With all know. the millions it make as a college athlete. No, I don't know. Maybe maybe they could, I don't know, maybe they could find. And can you really bounce on down to Shields these days? Are those <laughs> true? <laughs> I don't know. Where there's a will, there's a way. Find yourself an exercise ball and, and pump that thing up. <laughs> get a mat. You know, get down on it. Uh, let's let's finish up with one uh, final clip from Coach Witt today. Uh, he's not a big fan of the idea of doing games in front of 
empty stands without fans that uh, I guess anything's possible I sure hope not I, you know we got a great home field advantage here at Rice Eccles and uh, that would really impact us probably uh, more than most teams in the conference but uh, you know if it comes down to a season without fans or no season then I, th- I think we're gonna you know that's the direction it, it could go and so we've got to be prepared for that uh, and when I say prepared there's nothing really we do differently it's just that it'd be a completely different environment and, and very odd to be in that situation but but uh, I hope it doesn't come to that we've got great fans here at Utah we have close to 10 years uh, straight sellouts you know for 10 years straight and uh it's just been a, a terrific home field advantage so we're hoping it doesn't come to that but like i said if it's that or no season then i think uh, you're going to see uh, exactly that you know fan no fans if if that's the way that they think is the only op- alternative in the way they can get the season done yep yeah, yeah I, I mean it's it's not going to come down to what anybody prefers likely you know it's going to be some sort of scenario where you have to adjust to something that's imperfect. That's just well, and, how and it's that's going a to great, be. Jake, that's a great point. None of us can do things exactly the way we want to anymore. Not for the time being. We just can't. And that's life. That's that's what's presented to us right now. And so those who, like Kyle Whittingham was saying, those who adapt the best to it are going to find themselves at an advantage. And none of us can do all the things that we want right now. It's just not happening, not for the greater good. So we've got to realize that and, and adapt. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. We'll have more big show coming up straight ahead. Don't forget Dr. Angela Dunn at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Bowler, the entire 5 o'clock hour. More big show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm hoping college football will be the same at some point. It may not be this season, but but uh, hopefully you know things get back to normal. If not now, uh, you know next year. Uh, it's been definitely different without sports. I mean, that's I think that uh, you know, and, and it's not for everybody. You know, some people aren't phased at all by no sports. They could care less. So it's not it's not uh, completely universal. But but I think there's a huge faction of the uh, American population that is uh, you know you know really missing sports and and uh, the entertainment value it brings and the and uh it's just such a it, it's woven into the fabric of our society for most people and so uh you know hopefully we get back to, to normal uh this season if not you know i guess you know who knows what's going to happen but i i would say that you know certainly in the 21 season things will be back to normal but i guess we'll see what happens Kyle Whittingham's take on the situation. Welcome on back. Uh, the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. This one goes out to our friend Wild Turkey Fartblunt on a total request Tuesday. Uh, artists that you or songwriters you had a crush on, you can send your request to uh, Austin Horton. Uh, you heard what Coach Witt had to say. We have a little bit of news out there, too, uh, today, Gordon, in regards to all of this. Boise State has furloughed. Uh, their athletic staff, uh, basically they furloughed anybody at the university making uh, more than, or in the athletic department, making more than $150,000. Uh, Brian Harson, whose annual salary is $1.65 million, will forfeit about $63,000 of his salary. Uh, Boise State is already facing $10 million in losses 
because of the uh, shutdown from the coronavirus pandemic. And how long will that furlough last? Right now, uh, they're rotating 10-day furloughs. Oh. Uh, for uh, all full-time employees, uh, they'll be required to take furloughs between May 3rd and July 31st. Uh, the highest-paid employees making more than $150,000 annually will have to take a t- have to take 10-day furloughs. Hmm. Yeah, tough times, man. Uh, it's it's not a surprise, and I'm sure that Brian Harson, honestly, in in this situation, isn't uh, isn't complaining too much, given that you know financially, I'm sure he's doing just fine. But I do think it's another example of the you know financial issues that athletic departments are going to face. And yes, we can hope that Coach Witt is right, and that uh, we have college football, at very least, by the you know next year, or or how they sandwich a, a season in. But I mean, the, there's going to be some athletic casualties in this uh, and it'll be you know interesting to see how these um, athletic departments decide to stay afloat yeah yeah that's what what it comes down to and like you said this sort of just flows downhill if 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 the if the university suffers then the people who work for it suffer so i don't know it's everyone everyone's uh, going to have to just Hold on for your life for a little while here and hope this thing gets bumped back where it should be. Boise State uh, President Marlene Trump had this quote. She said, as many of you know, like 80 percent of universities across the nation, we made what I firmly believe was the right decision to provide millions of dollars of prorated refunds to our students for dining, housing and parking fees. We have also uh, had to cancel millions of dollars in revenue generating events through the school year and into the summer. These direct losses alone create a nearly 10 million dollar impact. So she's not even talking about the impact of a lost football season yet. We're not even there. It's 10 mil thus far already. So that's probably not a real good sign. Something tells me we're going to, we're gonna, yeah, this is going to be faced by all kinds of schools around the country. But some are more vulnerable than others. I, uh, do you, can you see uh, Alabama doing something like that? I don't think so. No, and you know P five schools, the the financial, the dollars are so much more. I I honestly worry about like G five on down. You know the, the Weber State. How are the Wildcats going to do with this? I mean, their athletic department is so reliant not only on gate funds but money from the NCAA tournament, which is never going to happen. And think about if okay, if that's true at those schools. Then where does that buck stop uh, going the other direction? It's it, it is the the athletes who who may be robbed of their seasons, may be robbed of their opportunity to participate in collegiate athletics. This is it's 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 a tough time. I think unfortunately that and the staff that would come with that are the ones who are going to hurt the most, right? I mean, if you don't have a men's soccer program, then obviously the coaching staff doesn't have a job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think yeah. it is going to be opportunities for athletes and other sports. I don't think Boise State football is going away anytime soon, but what about Boise State swimming or Boise State skiing or track or whatever the case may be? Or at least for a while, because this is going to take some time to bounce back from. Well, that's we've seen with wrestling programs, Gordon. After these athletic programs go away, they don't often come back. This might be different. This might be a different scenario because – 
this is such so unique. Uh, nobody has ever seen anything like this before. So it's, uh, I imagine that if they make progress on the medical side, then they might be able to bounce back and bounce back strong. It's just that we're in the middle of a hole right now, and nobody seems to know when we'll be able to climb out of it. And it obviously hurts some businesses worse than others, but uh, that's that's what we're dealing with here at uh, more vulnerable institutions. I wonder what a, a school like Cal is going to do that's leveraged so much financially, uh, you know, with the, what they did with their stadium, and then they spent all sorts of money before they even had it. Yeah, and th- th- this this is much broader than just sports. This is, you know, universities. Look at, look at what businesses all across America are dealing with right now, especially small businesses, and and who does that eventually hurt? Not only the businesses, but the people who work for the businesses. And so I, I think there are certain institutions that are a little more prepared, better prepared to handle this, this whole, for lack of a better term. But there are some that are, you know, living, living a little more close to the edge than that. And those are the ones that uh, find themselves in a, you know, that much tougher predicament. I imagine most profitable com- companies have some sort of reserve in place that they can find ways to continue to be productive or to stay afloat. But those, the more vulnerable ones cannot. And that, there's a direct parallel there with athletic departments as well. All right. uh, We'll have more coming up uh, right around the corner. We have a Mountain America market update, so stay tuned for that. Dr. Angela Dunn's going to be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, and Bowler the entire 5 o'clock hour, so make sure and stay tuned for that. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show. This one goes out to Gary on Twitter on a Total Request Tuesday saying that George was the best Beatle. On uh, the, the theme of today is a singer, songwriter, performer that you had a crush on. Was George the, the best Beatle, Gordon? No, but I liked George a lot when the Beatles first came on the scene. I he liked was, him. But he was the best at his instrument, wouldn't you say? Oh, maybe, but I mean, the, the uh, Lennon-McCartney songwriting duo is so strong that uh, it's yeah, hard to put, put George ahead of the other two. But he was Ringo a, was at the add-on, you know. But he was a much better guitar player than the others. I suppose. Maybe you can say that. I don't know that for a fact. Isn't he considered one of the, one of the great guitar players? Mm, You're the I Beatles never, guy here. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't, I'm, that's... That's one I don't know. Okay. All right. I mean, I never put George Harrison in the category with Eric Clapton and those guys, but and Jimi Hendrix, but I'm sure he was talented. All right. We're going to have a Mountain America market update coming up here momentarily. Uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Angela Dunn coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, get the latest in what's going on with the, the state of Utah and our effort uh, to fight COVID-19. So very excited to have her on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And uh, Bowler will be on the show the entire 5 o'clock hour. Uh, so make sure and stay tuned for that. In fact, Austin was just doing an equipment check during the break with Bowler. And we should be 
should be sounding pretty good coming up the top of the five o'clock hour. All right. Sounds good to me. Yep. It's time for a Mountain America market update. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services, we welcome him back to the big show. He is Ray Nishikawa with us today. Ray, how are you? Doing well. Yourself? Hey, we're doing all right. Uh, let us know how's the market doing. Well, market wasn't uh, very good today. Uh, second day in a row, uh, the Dow was down 631 points, and the S&P was down 86. And it looks like uh, oil is the big issue again today. Um, we had June future prices down 33%. And uh, yesterday, um, I'm sure everyone's aware that oil actually hit negative um, for the first time in U.S. history. So we're probably going to see this drag on for just a little bit longer. Hmm. So given these circumstances where you kind of know what's going on, you can anticipate a little bit here or there, what's the tip? What should potential investors and investors keep in mind? All right. Well, you know, anytime we have a recession, I like to call it the great revealer because, you know, typically it uncovers fraud, it covers, uh, uncovers opportunists, but it also punishes generally bad behavior, bad habits that we all develop. So, you know, kind of building off that economic offseason that I talked about last time, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of look at our own bad habits, you know, whether it's financially or professionally, and kind of address those and fix those now. And while we kind of ignore them when things are going good, um, so, as a cautionary tale, I thought I would bring on another story about the Lakers, if you guys are okay with that. All right, bring it on. <laughs> right, so let's talk about the 04 Lakers. They are a great example of a team that ignored uh, internal warnings. Uh, you know, they were fractured, uh, they were old, because the national media kind of hyped them up. They said, you guys are the best team at the time, possibly ever assembled. You had four future Hall of Famers on there, but Carmelo gets hurt. Gary Payton gets exposed as a subpar defender, and all of this happens during the NBA Finals, right, on the biggest stage um, at the worst possible time. So my advice today is don't be like them. Get rid of the Gary Paytons off your team. Get them out of your lives before it's too late, right? See, Ray? Too late for the Lakers then. We, we like your sports. No, no, no. We like your sports comparisons because it helps drive home the message. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. We appreciate it. Okay, take care. That's our friend uh, Ray Nishikawa from Mountain America Investment Services, and that was a Mountain America market update. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed, and loss of principal is possible. Yeah, that story with the with the oil prices, Gordon, is wild. They were paying people to take barrels of oil yesterday. Yeah, that's just crazy. That is crazy. And obviously, people aren't using oil the way they typically have in the past. People aren't driving as much. They aren't uh, burning that uh, resource. And so, yeah, it's uh, detrimental to those who uh, are affected by it. Can I tell you I'm getting tired of the sentence for the first time in U.S. history? Seems like we've been seeing that a lot lately, and every time it's not good. <laughs> You've had enough historical moments. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. the whole, like, 22 million people filing for unemployment in one month, you know, for the first time in U.S. history. Like, it's never, you know, at least not nowadays, it's never, uh, you know— Ran a sub-4-2-40 for the first time in U.S. history. You know, it's never—it's it's not good. Unless you want to— look at the glass being half full instead of half empty, you could have for the first time in U.S. history uh, a dramatic comeback, a dramatic bounce back, 
a dramatic response to the more negative things that have happened in recent weeks. Um, I've got more bright side, actually. If you've got a little space in your basement, which I believe you do, Gordon, you could probably make some money storing uh, barrels of oil. <laughs> you think you should buy up a bunch of oil? What are you They're do paying with it? you to take it. That's the point. <laughs> Where's that? You just leave it in your basement. I don't think you want uh, a bunch of barrels of oil underneath your house. Well, if they're paying me to just leave them there in the crawl space, why not? Eventually, they'll, they'll be barrels of money is what they'll be eventually. And you're getting money uh, to basically uh-huh, a storage uh, fee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, you might grow a third ear, but hey. Ah, it's oil, not <laughs> nuclear waste. <laughs> you might hear a little better, huh? That's what I'm just saying. You know, optimistically, you can make a little coin on the side. All right, uh, Jake, you go ahead and do that. You buy up about 100 barrels of oil and stack them up in your backyard and uh, see how the neighbors feel My about it. My neighbors that. would love it. They'd be loving it. <laughs> hey, I'm just making making a little extra dough. See, yeah. you put it on its side, Jake. You put a long uh, piece of plywood on there, and suddenly Sadie has a seesaw. Right. Exactly. So wait a second. If it's negative, are they paying you to take it away? That's what I'm saying. That's exactly that, what I'm saying. That, is is that really the way it's working? Yes. The big, the big problem right now is we have way too much oil for where we have to put it because the demand has fallen off so much that it's getting stuck. And so, so that's much- why that's why they, they – that seriously, what they're doing, they're paying people to take barrels of oil because they've got nowhere to put it. So, so what? What can what can we get uh, for a barrel of oil? <laughs> what did it end up? Well, being? right now it's not great, but, but no, I mean, what what can you get in, in for taking it away from them? Oh, I see. What are they paying uh, you? We'd have to we'd have to look at what it was. I, I think it was like negative thirty three dollars or something like that. So it's like they're paying you thirty three dollars to take it. So if you have an extra bedroom in your house. Yes, you're finally catching up with the joke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we can make a little extra money storing oil. They stack oil. nicely. Right. <laughs> but it, see, the, the big problem is is that there's a there's a time of expiration on a barrel of oil, so it's not like you could just store it in your basement and two years from now when oil prices are back to where they were, you can go out and sell it. Oh, what's the shelf life of a barrel of oil? I'm not sure exactly. We'd have to look that up. Really? A barrel of oil can go bad? Apparently. At least oh, in the room. Like oh, wait, wait. It's in the ground for a million years. How does it go bad? Because it's now above ground? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, see. How long can crude oil be stored? Is that what we're looking for? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Let's, uh, 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 let's see. Da, 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 da. 30 days to around six months. There you go. Why is it so, why is it so uh, perishable? I don't know lactose. Not a not a scientist here, Gordon. <laughs> you I just, I just re- read the news. You're gonna keep it refrigerated. You have to. I mean, it, I didn't know. So you know, get them to pay you thirty three bucks, and then in six months you just pour it down the storm drain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's exactly what the and then you EPA drink it later. Would want you to do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now there's some flaws to this plan. Maybe you could uh, sell it to oil painting supply. Uh, there people. you go. Yeah. We know some artists. Turn it into some uh, paints. I like it. How volatile is oil? Mm. Kind of volatile. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't light up around it. Somewhere <laughs> between somewhere between dirt and plutonium. Let's see what this match does. <laughs> 
So, in other words, if Austin has uh, like 50 barrels of oil stacked up inside his house, if he were to flick a cigarette into into that collection, it, it, it'd go boom? I've got to find a new place to flick them. I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe it would go boom, but I kind of doubt it. I'm willing to try it. You know, it seems like there's all sorts of people smoking cigarettes around those oil derricks. And <laughs> I saw a guy smoking while he filled up the other day. Yeah, That's right. illegal. He, oh, you did? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See that's the now, exact- now gasoline. I would think would be a tad bit more. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the dangerous part there is because gasoline has fumes, right? Correct. So I think that's the issue there. You ever seen the air light on fire? Because I have. Yeah. Oh. All right. Coming up next, uh, we're going to talk to the state epidemiologist from the Utah Department of Health, Dr. Angela Dunn, is going to be on the big show. Stay tuned for that. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone.